0: Just go to Indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Hello and welcome to the True Faith podcast. Uh, My name is Michael Martin, Um, uh, gobshite and uh, former chief of this fanzine, and I'm in the um, uh, the palace of municipal socialism that is gateshead civic center with none other than um gateshead's own mp and um, the right honorable uh, Ian Means, I have to say he doesn't look that honourable, Like he's just come in his shorts. Um, so um, we're here to talk about Ian's role in the All-Party Parliamentary Committee on for Football Fans and a, a load of other stuff um, related to um, politics and football which I know we'll have a few of you switching off but I would urge you to keep listening because um, in the words of got you might learn something. Um, so. Um, Ian, uh, welcome. I know you've been a long-standing Newcastle supporter because I've spotted you at matches for many, many years, uh, home, and, home and away. Um, and it, it doesn't just end with um, with Newcastle. You've been um, a doughty defender of Gateshead Football Club over the years, and 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 had quite a bit to do with the support as club, etc. So I think it's fair to say Ian is a genuine football lad, and he is a Gateshead boy, and he's the MP. Um, but more than that is the um, is the what's the exact title Ian for the all party? It's the all party parliamentary
2: group for football supporters, which we established just under two years ago. And uh, you know it, it is all party, but there was an existing football group within within Parliament. But that seemed to me to be looking after the interests of clubs, the, the hierarchy, you know, the, the governance of, of, of football in terms of district and county and national FAs and leagues. And I thought it was actually inter- interesting trying to try and establish something for the paying customer, the football fan, um, you know, and, and look after their interests. So we took on board the services of the Football Supporters Federation, who act as the secretariat, and we now have meetings usually about once a term. Um, and uh, you know, we, we've looked at a whole range of issues over the last two years. Including things like uh, safe standing, but also uh, ticket pricing for away fans, and you know there have been some successful. Um, campaigns which uh, helped—I think the, the, the group that we established helped to bring that to fruition in terms of the the 20s Plenty campaign. And I know it wasn't an absolute success, but you know the 30 pound restriction now on ticket pricing for away fans in the Premier League is certainly a welcome boost compared to the sort of money that we used to play to go to places like Chelsea, Tottenham, and Manchester United in the past. So uh, you know I think that's been a success. And the fact that there are parliamentarians on board gives organise, an organisation like the football support as federation more clout with the governance
1: of the game, Premier League, FA, etc. Thanks for that. So it's been going for two years. Um, in in me my um, recent past, I used to go along to a few committee meetings, etc. But it it was it felt to me a bit like too much like being at work. So um, I've, ma- I've managed to knock that on the on the head now. So um, Ian, it's got you know yourself on board. It's got. Connections with the Football Supporters Federation, and it has had it's influenced some notable successes with the uh, 20s Plenty or 30s Dirty, um, if you if you like. Um, Where where are the key areas of interest now for the for the uh, for the group?
2: Well, I I think it's the the one thing that we'll start to focus on now is safe standing. You know, safe standing in football grounds. you know, from from my perspective, I, I did remain to be convinced about it. Having had you know not been a very tall bloke, a bit rough experiences on terraces in the past. You know, not being able to see, being squashed, crushed, etc. And and I, and I did remain to be convinced. But actually, having looked at the real seating engineered solution, that seems to me to be a solution that that might well uh, work. It's been experimented. In in Scotland, certainly in in Germany, it has been a success in some grounds. And I I think that would be a solution to the problem which commonly exists, and and we know what it is, is if you go to a a ground as an away fan, invariably, doesn't matter what league you're in, away fans are standing in certain seating areas. And that isn't inherently safe because, unfortunately, um, the seat in front of you becomes a trip hazard. When everybody is standing, and you know i haven 't seen an awful lot of injuries, but i've seen some situations in in football grounds where people have actually fallen over the seats in front and not dreadfully hurt themselves, but it could have been a lot worse than it actually ended up being I think that's
1: definitely right and I, I also think it's it uh, in in home uh, areas as well I think we've all experienced uh, that and uh, despite um, our current position this season we have had moments of high excitement at St James's Park um, so um, mo- moving on um, just on the, the kind of last thing to say about um, safe standing um, you know well, I've been interested in it for, for a number of years and I'm sure a lot of listeners have as well where do you see it happening um, Ian do you, do you see two years three years for, for real seating to be introduced at um, Premier League and Championship grounds
2: well, well I mean wh- Tottenham's ground is under construction, I know they're late getting into it, but apparently rail seating has been fitted in, our, 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 in the new ground there. Now, it will be uh, seating um, when the ground opens uh, later this month, early, early next month, but it, will, it is there to be converted into safe standing, rail, rail seated safe standing in the future. So, I, I can actually see... Pilots taking taking off, and and you know I think the way in which some football supporters treated Tracy Crouch, the uh, the the sports minister, was a bit unfortunate to say the least. Um, You know she did take a bit of a battering. She's a Tottenham fan. She she did remain to be convinced. But I actually think with 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 our um, uh, all party group putting putting pressure on, I think Tracy might allow. Um, pilots to take place in premiership grounds in the first instance so you know if if Tottenham for instance have got that that engineered solution built in why couldn't Tottenham be a pilot to to, to see how how it goes but I think that there's a real potential for it um, happening within the next two to three years um, in, in different parts of the country now the problem that we'll have is in Scotland the Celtic experiment literally substitutes one standing place for one sitting place. So it's an expense for the clubs, which doesn't bring any additional financial reward from from their perspective. Um, In Germany, an awful lot of the grounds there do one and a half people standing for every sitting place that they're occupying so that they can get more people into particular areas. But in in the Celtic experiment, it's 3,000 for 3,000. So I think we might have to look at that um, and, and, and see what incentive we can then give to the clubs to bring in the standing areas. I think the biggest incentive, of, of course, though, is the fact that fans want to stand. Fans are standing. Fans are regularly getting into arguments and disagreements with club stewards in grounds around the country. And in an awful lot of places, uh, clubs and the stewards have just given up and just allow it. But it does need to be safe.
1: And where would your preference be to see it at uh, St James's Park?
2: Um um, I, I mean, I, I think the Gallagher Corner would seem to be an ob- obvious choice, but uh, but also, um, you, you know, there's the sort of the singing area, which is in, it seems to be to be put into a strange place in the sort of uh, in, in the southwest corner of the Gallagher end. Um, I mean, I, I think it, uh, the centre of the Gallagher end, behind the goal, would be a good place to have a look as well.
1: I agree i think um ideally at some point in the future i'd like to see it to the whole of the Gallagher um given those options and uh, and maybe uh, a premium put on younger fans going in going in there and maybe we'll have something like the boys end that they used to be approach to to uh, go into the match when um, when when I started going which was uh, you know you traditionally went in the leasers in the and the Gallagher, and uh, and hopefully this would be um, you know safer and um, and and all the, and all the, and all the rest of it so um, moving on and uh, and thanks for that overview of how the um, how the parliamentary group works Ian, um, some time ago, I was quite interested in what was in the Labour Party's manifesto in 2015 and 2017, with regards to um, how the governance of football and particularly football clubs. Um, I don't think it's uh, letting any secret out the the bag to say that um, you know there are a number of clubs, including our own, who have a serious problem with the ownership and direction and the stewardship that individuals provide for. Um, very uh, well cherished and loved local institutions Ian can I ask you about um about the the manifesto and do you think it 'll go into the next uh, labor party manifesto?
2: Well, um, the, the the manifesto in 2017 hardly changed from the men of manifesto in, in in 2015, and I wouldn't say any reason why the Labour leadership at the moment would change that or water it down. And what it, what it would bring about would be uh, fans' representatives on boards of directors. I think it might be problematical where there aren't effectively any boards of directors. Like you know, in our own club, there isn't an effective board of directors there. Uh, it's in the ownership of a single individual, and we've only seen just this week Arsenal being. Bought out by Stan Kroenke, who was basically a franchise holder in a number of different sports uh, in the United States and here in in Britain. So what we don't want to see is an expansion of the of the single individual. Who own and govern football clubs, treating them as a franchise, a sports franchise, just knowing that, and uh, with particularly TV revenues being at the level that they are, that it's um, it, it's a milk cow, and and you know what the fans put through the gate is is just a a, 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 a way of actually increasing the, increasing the revenue and increasing the bottom line, which is the profit margin for the owner at the end of the season.
1: So, if we haven't got a, um, a board of directors and uh, and all the rest of it, and uh, and I didn't, uh, I didn't, I did, I do. Sorry, I don't expect to see government uh, moving to nationalise football clubs at any. Uh, Any time in the in the future by buying, um, controlling shares in them and and converting them to the model that we've got in Germany, where where do you see that um, that commitment going in terms of making it real for um, fans and uh, and them being able to exert some control over there <coughs> all over the over the football clubs that ultimately they own in a very moral way.
2: Yeah, well, I'm, the the the. the the Labour Party manifesto talks about having a couple of fan re- representatives on, on on boards of direct, as they would be democratically elected by the fan base, you know, the membership of the of the club, you know, the season ticket holders probably in the first instance. And you know, from from my perspective, you know, those people should be up for election on an annual basis, um, and and you know, they can then e- exert pressure on onto a, a board of direct onto a board of direct, as you know. Um, it, it's it's an opportunity for the the fans' views to be heard. Within the boardroom of the football club. It's not a perfect solution to the problems which currently exist, but it would allow fan voices to be heard, but also it would allow fans to report back to the fan base about what the thinking of the directors is, if there is any thinking there at all, other than just mainly running it as a business, as we've seen here in, in, in the northeast of England well
1: the thing is it's all very well to say that fans will have a um, a, a line of communication with the owner or or whoever uh, if i if i kind of look very specifically at newcastle united the owner won't talk to anybody you know um you know he he'll, uh, he'll, he's very dismissive of any kind of criticism and um, and i wondered whether or not there was any mileage in in offering a licensing system so that there are certain preconditions that football clubs have got to to meet so that um, for them to maintain the license or have that withdrawn from the people that own that club um in order to to move away from this kind of what could some people listening could believe was a little bit of tokenism yeah.
2: well I, I entirely agree with that i mean there's no point in having fans on boards unless they can exert some uh, measure of of, of, of sway in, in in the boardroom and therefore to back that up there would have to be some sort of legislation to say, you know, there will be a, 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 some ground rules, some minimum requirements that football clubs would have to um, adhere to. And and I think the thinking of the Labour Party on that is, is that you know, football clubs are not like any other business. You know, without the fans, they would become nothing. You know, you know, the television revenue which comes in comes in because these clubs play in front of full stadiums week in, week out. That's what creates a large. Part of the excitement and i think there's got to be some rec- recognition of the value that fans add to the clubs that they support not just in terms of the stands not just in terms of the revenue coming through the gate but also their value in terms of a marketable en- entity when it comes to the world of television
1: thanks ian um just moving on now very specifically to uh, newcastle united um uh, this week um Lee Charnley was unavailable to attend the Fans Forum. Um, Lots of people, myself included, have asked where Lee was on Tuesday night and why he couldn't attend, what was more important um, to him than to speak to supporters after a summer of huge disappointment um, and a feeling that um, our manager um, one of the world's best coaches is probably now on his way out of the club and, and that will probably cause a bit of disaffection uh, amongst players, certainly amongst supporters um, so um, Lee on Lee can just decide to walk away from the forum and cancel it at his will, so just moving into the area of Newcastle United and representation and all the rest of it where do you see the key problems being at our football club Ian?
2: Well, I'm not, the, the key... F- the key problem at the football club, from my perspective, is the ownership of Mike Ashley, and, and and I'm afraid to say that I regard Mike Ashley's ownership of the club as kind of a cancer, which is eating the heart out of the club. Um, you know, it's but it's not just actually eating the heart out, the physical heart of the club. It's actually eating away at the mental well-being of the club. You know, the the the, 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 the club as an entity, you know, uh, now seems to be where we've got fans kind of in disagreement with each other. About the best way forward. And it's, you know, I suppose it's a typical uh, divide and conquer um, tactics by an ownership who really just wants to um, have a quiet life, spend very little money on the club, and reap the benefits from what the television revenues and the very loyal supporter base uh, will bring in. Um, and, and, you know, there's no doubt about it, Newcastle will be profitable. Uh, but it, it really does does. Um, it, it, it does sadden me to see a situation where I don't want actually go and buy any Newcastle merchandise because I know that the money generated by that merchandise is not actually going to support the entity that is Newcastle United. It's going straight into the pockets and directors of Sports Direct, and that's very, very sad. We we'll see the naming rights of the stadium, you know, this you know, it's not the Sports Direct Arena anymore, it's still St. James's Park, but the place is completely and utterly covered with sports direct advertising which brings no revenue to the club whatsoever it's just free advertising for Mike Ashley and his business concerns
1: there's been there seems to have been a a bit of a sea change amongst supporters who've been um I don't know what it is whether or not we've been lacking in kind of gumption organization we seem to be a, a a group of fans that can find any amount of ways to disagree with each other even though the big picture remains the same and we all are focused on that mm. um, That there does seem to be a change now though in terms of different groups setting up and we've had uh, two home games running where uh, sports that there's been a de- demonstration outside of Sports Direct, um, which we know is bad for uh, Sports Direct's lamentable PR uh, as it is. Um, but and other things planned, and and, and and I do I get the sense that uh, I hope that that campaign is maturing and becoming more sophisticated. Ian, what's your view on the um, on the um, on the new fans movement and the protests against the ownership?
2: Well, I'm 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 glad to see that the sort of stoicism which Newcastle supporters have kind of displayed for quite a long time now under under Ashley's ownership seems to be, um, you know, going to a certain extent, and that fans are actually starting to to, to exert their voice. I mean, I, I, the way in which the club's club is run really really disappoints me. I mean, as a customer, as a customer, I mean, the new ticket website is just utterly dreadful, you know the, the, the previous ticket website wasn't brilliant, but this one is so clunky so clumsy, it takes ages and ages to buy tickets for home games away games, you know, I've had a situation uh, today, where my friends and family group, for instance um, I had to have the ages and the dates of birth of the people, otherwise it wouldn't let me buy an adult ticket for these people because the computer system didn't know what age bracket these people were in, even though They've got adult season tickets. It's bonkers, you know, and and it it just seems to me they go for the cheapest of everything, the nastiest of of, of everything. And sadly, I think the the one thing I would say is, you know, the poor staff of the club get the backlash. I mean, the club is run dreadfully, you know, I mean, you wouldn't run an opera house, you know, um, like this. But I mean, people are paying as much to go and see Newcastle United as they would pay to go and see an opera at the at the Royal Opera House in, in London and are treated like cattle, very, very poorly indeed. I'm glad that, you know, supporter groups are now voicing their opinions, but I still do feel that the bulk of Newcastle United supporters... It will, in a sort of stoic fashion, just accept what is handed over to them. And I hope that's not the case, because we really do need to get rid of the dreadful cancer of the ownership of Mike Ashley from the club.
1: I think we'll end on that note, Ian, um, because I think that sums up a lot of feelings of the Rank and file of support. Thanks very much for your time. I really appreciate it, and um, and hope
3: hopefully there's good times to come. Thank you very